Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to PGN, Prophetic Grace Network. This is Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist. I am pleased to be with you today and every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Texas time. And on Thursdays, Thursday mornings, usually at 10 a.m. Texas time and 11 a.m. Eastern time, we are here We are hearing the Word of God, specifically the book of Revelation, focusing on its prophecies. Today, we are talking about the New Earth prophecy. The New Earth prophecy is the pinnacle prophecy in the pinnacle work in the Holy Bible. The Holy Bible has 66 books. The last book is the book of Revelation. It has six parts. Interestingly, the book is narrated in three different ways. First, we have an omniscient God sharing with you and I, readers of the book of Revelation, how it came to pass and what it is. That's part one. In part two of the book of Revelation, we have a formal introduction. John the Revelator tells us where he was. When his experience, his supernatural experience with Jesus Christ began, he was provided with an instruction. The instruction had two parts. Jesus Christ told him, write down the things that are happening and, this is part two, the things to come. He follows up on that instruction, and in part three of the book of Revelation, he begins to document the things that are happening. In other words, the things that were happening at the time when he lived in his mortal body on this present earth. There were things happening with seven churches. There were seven churches in Asia at that time. And Jesus Christ had words of praise, words of criticism, and promises for each of those seven churches so in part three of the book of revelation chapters two and three john the revelator shares the words of jesus christ for those churches those those churches were ephesus smyrna pergamum thyatira sardis Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Part four of the book of Revelation is the second part of John the Revelator's supernatural experience with the book of Revelation. So his experience begins with Jesus Christ, again, giving him an instruction that has two parts. That's in part two. In part four, 
John the Revelator is called up to heaven. So he begins with Jesus Christ visiting him. Where? On the Isle of Patmos. In part four of the book of Revelation, he goes to visit present heaven. He's called up to heaven. And in 11 verses, he gives us a description of present heaven. Imagine that you were supernaturally transported to Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're on the phone listening to PGN, talking to me and other listeners, and you begin to tell us exactly what you see. Perhaps you tell us about uh, the colors that you're seeing, what the landscape looks like, the individuals or living beings that you encounter. So when we look at part four of the book of Revelation, we don't have any prophecies. We don't have any metaphors. We have a report. Whose report? John the Revelator. His report on heaven. Let's hear it. Part four of the book of Revelation. Chapter four, John's report on heaven. Here it is. Then, as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. Let's pause there for a second. The voice he is hearing, he says it's the same voice. So that's the same voice that spoke to him in part two of the book of Revelation. That's the voice of Jesus Christ. And now, notice that the voice says, I will show you what must happen after this. So he's called up to heaven for the purpose of seeing the things to come. Those are the things we're going to hear about in part five of the book of Revelation. But right now, we're in part four. This is John's report on heaven. He hasn't gotten to uh, where he's shown what will happen after this. Right now, he's simply telling us about what exactly happened when he was called up to heaven. Picking up where we left off, here's verse 2. And instantly I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center... And around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. That is John's report on heaven. He describes a total of 29 29 individuals and living beings that he sees in heaven. Importantly, he tells us about the one who sits on the throne. This is the same one who sits on the throne at the great white throne judgment. The same one who sits on the throne to judge in the dead judge prophecy all who are team Satan. The same one who renders a verdict right before the end of time, before the earth is consumed by holy fire. Now let's talk about this report on heaven a little bit more. About the one who's sitting on the throne, John the Revelator describes him in verse 3 as being as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian. And then also talking about the one who sits on the throne, John says in verse, John says uh, also about the one sitting on the throne, I'm looking for what I want to share. John says that the four living beings describe him as the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Then he says in verse 9 that the living beings give glory and honor to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. We're also told that the 24 elders Worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. We're talking about God the Father. And we know that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God the Father. We're talking about God the Father. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh, the Son of God, and the Son of Man. Now we've talked about part one, part two part three, and part four of the book of Revelation. Let us talk about part five. Part five is the bulk of the book of Revelation. It's where we find the new earth prophecy. Part five of the book of Revelation begins with verse one of chapter five, and it ends with verse five of chapter 22. This is where the angel of the Lord as instructed by Jesus Christ, shows John the Revelator 
quote, what must happen after this? In other words, what will happen in the future? So we learned in part one that the revelation, the truth about the second coming of Jesus Christ, the events leading up to it, the actual second coming, and the events following, that's the revelation, the revealing, the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the entire world. That's what the book of Revelation is. God the Father gives the revelation to Jesus Christ, who instructs an angel of the Lord to share it with John the Revelator. John the Revelator receives it, and then he writes it down. So now, in part five of the book of Revelation, we have what John has written down. Now, it's one thing to read what he's written down, but let us also understand how did he receive what he wrote down. An angel of the Lord showed him in heaven external visions, visions external to John the Revelator. So in other words, he didn't lie down and take a nap or fall into a deep sleep and have a dream. He didn't sit in a chair or uh, stand under a tree and have a lucid dream, a dream when he's, uh, he knows that he's dreaming. No, he did what you and I have done many times. He stood in a physical location and he watched as moving pictures with sound were shown to him. Now, I've shared with you before, I'm looking forward to May 24th of 2024. That's the first day of the release of the new Planet of the Apes, Kingdom of the Apes. On that day, or before if possible, as soon as that movie is available, I am going to watch that movie, Moving Pictures with Sound. It will be shown to me in a physical location. It won't be a dream. It won't be a vision. In the same way, John the Revelator watched moving pictures with sound. They were shown to him, but not by a movie theater, by an angel of the Lord. And we're told in Revelation chapter 1, in part 1, the preface, verses 1 to 8, we're told that Jesus Christ instructed an angel of the Lord to show John the Revelator the things to come. And Jesus Christ tells John the Revelator, when he's called up to heaven in part four, uh, now you're going to be shown what must happen after this. He is shown moving pictures with sound, visions that were external to himself. In today's vernacular, we refer to moving pictures with sound as movies. When Michael Moore makes a movie that's about real events, we refer to it as a documentary. In fact, when anyone makes a movie about real events and it's not fictionalized, we refer to it as a documentary. So to be especially specific, the type of movie John the Revelator was shown is actually a documentary. Now, time is finite. 
We learn in First Peter that the end of the world is coming. Time is running out. Now, when was the beginning of time? In the beginning was the word. The beginning of what? The beginning of time. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. At the end of time, at the end of time, we go to a new earth. That's what we're going to be talking about today. What happens after the end of time? We go into eternity future. What happened, what existed before time? That's eternity past. All time exists within an omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent God, God the Father. And so in that way, God the Father, the narrator of the preface of the book of Revelation, part one, is able to describe events in the past, the present, and the future. He's able to generate documentaries about a future that has already happened for God the Father but has yet to come for those of us in mortal bodies, limited to linear time, chronological time. So, again... We're in part five of the book of Revelation. These are the prophecies. How did John the Revelator experience them? He experienced them, visions that were external to himself. These were moving pictures with sound. An angel of the Lord showed them to him. He he was shown by my count, in my analysis, 12. He was shown 12 visions right in a row, one after the other, and he writes them down. Have you ever watched uh, a movie-thon? trying to think of the language we use to describe that. Sometimes on cable they'll show, like, you know, five Julia Roberts films all in a row. Or uh, one year I went to see uh, when they were showing, uh, we were waiting for War of the Planet of the Apes to come out, and they showed us all three in a row, Dawn, Rise, uh, and War. So John the Revelator was shown a series of documentaries. These are the prophecies of the book of Revelation. Now there are some promises for those who are victorious in Christ in part three of the book of Revelation, in the seven letters to the seven churches. But the prophecies of the book of Revelation are all in part five. What are they? The first prophecy, the first documentary, John the Revelator was shown, is the Seven Seals documentary. When he wrote it down, now we refer to it as the Seven Seals prophecy. The second documentary he was shown is the Seven Trumpets documentary. Now we call that the Seven Trumpets Prophecy. Then he was shown the 1,260 Days documentary. Then he was shown the 666 Antichrist documentary. Then he was shown the 144,000 First Fruits documentary, followed by the Earth Reap documentary, followed by the Seven Plagues documentary, followed by the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, then the Marriage Supper Prophecy, then 
the millennial reign prophecy, then the dead judged prophecy, and finally he was shown the new earth prophecy. Now we're going to focus our discussion and analysis on the new earth prophecy today. Let's get some context with how to make sense of the new earth prophecy. So we've talked about parts 1, 2, 3, and 4 of the book of Revelation. Also about part 5, let's talk about part 6, which is its conclusion. Then we're going to circle back to focus on the new earth prophecy. When we hear this prophecy, how do we make sense of it? So let's hear how the angel of the Lord makes sense of the 12 documentaries, the 12 visions that he was tasked with showing John the Revelator as John the Revelator stood in heaven. This is what the angel says. This is the formal conclusion to the book of Revelation. It begins with John sharing what the angel uh, said immediately after showing him the last documentary. That's the one we're going to focus on today, the New Earth Prophecy. This formal conclusion is narrated by both John the Revelator and Jesus Christ. We'll hear both of them talking uh, in this conclusion. Both are narrators. How do we make sense of the prophecies of the book of Revelation as well as the book in its entirety? This is what the angel of the Lord says. This is the conclusion to the book of Revelation, verses 6 to the end of 22. That's verses 6 to 27 of chapter 22. In the formal conclusion, it says, let me make sure I have the right verses there. Uh, in the formal conclusion for the book of Revelation, verses 6 to 21, that's a correction, uh, verses 6 to 21, I said 27 earlier, I meant to say 6 to 21 of 22. Here's the formal conclusion. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. Let's pause there for a second. What is everything that John the Revelator has heard and seen? What's the angel talking about? He's talking about the 12 documentaries that the angel just showed him, the ones that Jesus Christ tasked the angel with showing him, the visions that include the information that Jesus said John, the revelator, was going to receive now that he had been called up to heaven when Jesus said, you're going to be shown uh, what must happen after this. So again, here is the formal conclusion for the book of Revelation, part 6, verses 6 to 21 of chapter 22. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Let's pause there for a second. So in verse 6, we had John the Revelator narrating. Now in verse 7, Jesus Christ is chiming in. So remember I said part 6 has two narrators. So the formal conclusion, we have John the Revelator talking. Then at other points, we have Jesus Christ talking, and they go back and forth like this. So verse 7, Jesus says, Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. 
I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. Let's pause there for a second. John says, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. So what's them? These are the documentaries that he was shown in heaven. So after he saw these 12 documentaries, he fell down to worship at the feet of the angel. Now, why didn't he fall down to worship at the feet of Jesus? Jesus doesn't show John the Revelator the documentaries. Jesus tasks the angel with showing them to John the Revelator. So again, verse 8 says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Now, here in verse 12, Jesus Christ chimes in again. Again, he starts with, look, I am coming soon. So the first time he talks to us in the conclusion, he says in verse 7, look, I am coming soon. And then he shares some more. Now, again, when he chimes in to narrate the, uh, to contribute to the narration of the conclusion of the book of Revelation, he starts again with, look, I am coming soon. But this time he tells us a second thing. He says, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David, and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in a tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. So that was the formal conclusion, part six of the book of Revelation. We heard about 
all six parts of the book of Revelation. We're going to circle back to part five, the bulk of the book of Revelation, the prophecies of the book of Revelation. John the Revelator was called up to heaven, shown documentaries about soon coming realities. He was shown visions external to himself, moving pictures with sound. He was shown 12 of them. Now, here in the formal conclusion, several times Jesus and uh, John the Revelator referred to the city. In verse 15, it says, Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. What city is that? That's Jerusalem. When Jesus Christ returns, he's going to establish his government on this present earth. He's the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. When? At the time of his second coming, He's going to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. And when he does that, he puts down the governments of men and he establishes the government of God. In Isaiah, it says, and of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. Now, an interesting point to consider is this. It says here, outside the city are the dogs. And the dogs are described. So it's not talking about your chihuahua or your um, your shih tzu or, um, you know, maybe your poodle. The dogs are specifically defined as, quote, the sorcerers. So these are people who, pa- who practice witchcraft. The dogs are described as the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lot. At the second coming of Jesus Christ, there are a thousand years, which are a transition period. It's the millennial reign. There will still be mortals here on this earth, those who survived the Battle of Armageddon, um, yet they had not participated in the first resurrection. Some will have taken the mark of the beast. Perhaps they procreate. I don't know whether they do or not. But only those who participate in the first resurrection, who have washed their robes, are going to be permitted to enter Jerusalem. Now, these folks will be able to be uh, those who haven't washed their robes. In other words, those individuals who continue to dwell on the present earth but who fail to transition from mortality to immortality, those who are not members of the royal race, they will not be permitted to enter Jerusalem. And therefore, we can understand at the end of the millennial reign prophecy why Satan is able to deceive them, why they are motivated, energized to leave their location in different places of the earth to come to Jerusalem at the end of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, and they surround Jerusalem. Why? They want what they can't have. What can't they have? They can't enter into Jerusalem. And Jesus says it right here in the conclusion. He keeps saying, I am coming soon. When's he come? He comes and it is his second coming. He comes after the great tribulation. 
He comes for the purposes of harvesting earth's crop. He comes for the purpose of the first resurrection, the marriage of the Lamb. Now, after he comes and establishes his government on this earth, now where is his government going to be? It's not going to be in Washington, D.C. By the way, I love Washington, D.C. I was born in Washington, D.C. It's the capital of the United States of America. But uh, headquarters for the government of God is not Washington, D.C. It's not Zurich. It's not Geneva. It's not Beijing. It's not Lisbon. It's Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. That's the holy city. Now, what does he say about when he comes? Blessed are those who wash their robes. That's those who are the sheep, the wheat, those who are team Jesus, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, what about those who have washed their robes? It says they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city. Then it says in verse 15, outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. Now you might say, well, when Jesus Christ comes, there will be no more evil. That's not true, friend and truth seeker. In October, we talked about the millennial reign prophecy and about how there will be those who are immortal, who have participated in the first resurrection, and those who are mortal living on this same present earth for a thousand years until the time of the great white throne judgment. So now we understand from the conclusion of the book of Revelation why at the end of the millennial reign, the millennial reign period, there are going to be millions of people who are completely worked up in a frenzy, believing the lies of Satan after he's released from the bottomless pit. They haven't seen him for a thousand years at that point. And because they have been denied the ability to enter Jerusalem. Now, if if there was the number one city in the world, and you couldn't go to it, maybe you'd feel some kind of way. And if you couldn't go to it this year, and then next year you weren't allowed to go, and then the following year, and then let's fast forward. It's been decades, and you've never been allowed to enter that city. You might feel some kind of way, a bad way. You might feel angry. So Jesus announces, listen, these folks are not going to be permitted to enter the city the holy city where I'm going to have my headquarters, and that's just going to be what it is. Now let us talk about what happens very briefly after his second coming. So in the marriage supper prophecy, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21, we have a very detailed description of the battle of Armageddon. Next. In Revelation 20, verses 1 to 10, we have a relatively brief but wonderful description of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. The beginning of the thousand years, 
unlike the Antichrist and the false prophet who were destroyed at the Battle of Armageddon, they go to the lake of fire. That's the second death. Satan's not destroyed just yet. So at the beginning of the millennial reign prophecy, he's thrown into the bottomless pit. At the end of the thousand years, he's released for a short while. He gathers up, you guessed it, the murderers, the idolaters, the sexually immoral, those who practice witchcraft, all those in that list. And where does he go? Where does he take them? Where do they follow him to? You guessed it, the holy city, Jerusalem. And he tells them, we're going to take back Jerusalem. This earth is going to be ours. Jesus is going down. Satan is rising. And, of course, it's a lie. Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And His and of the increase of him, of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. Let me say that again. And of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. So they surround Jerusalem. The Bible says, in the millennial reign prophecy, Revelation chapters, uh, chapter 20, verses 1 to 10, that their number is like the sands of the seashore, and that Satan has actually gathered armies. So this, if their number is like the sands of the seashore, to me that sounds like millions. Perhaps it's tens of millions. In any case, whatever the number is, they surround Jerusalem but Jesus already said they won't be permitted to enter. And, in fact, they aren't permitted to enter. Fire falls from heaven and they're destroyed. Then what happens? The dead judge prophecy. There's another resurrection. There's another resurrection. What's that? All who are in prisons of darkness underneath the earth. All those who had an earth suit, they had their tent wear out. Version one of the body, subject to the curse due to the sin of Adam and Eve. When their earth suit wore out, instead of them ascending to heaven, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who die in Christ. Well, what about those who don't? die in Christ. Well, they does send. Recently, Jamie Foxx talked about how he had a near-death experience. That's what he said. He had a near-death experience, and he saw the tunnel. And then an interesting thing happened. He said he didn't see the light. He did not ascend, and he said the temperature felt funny, and he wondered. He says he wondered if he was going to the right place. That's an admission that there's a wrong place. Even those in the world know there's a wrong place. What's the wrong place? The wrong place is Hades. That's where those who die, and they're not in Christ, that's where they go until the time of the great white throne judgment. Now let's get to that briefly so we can get to what happens after the end of time. Now, that's our focus for today. What happens at the end of time, after the end of time, really? So in Revelation 20, 
verses 11 to 15. Another resurrection described by uh, John the Revelation, John the Revelator, in Revelation 20 verse 5. That resurrection has happened. So all of those who are Team Satan are resurrected for the purpose of sitting before the one who sits on the throne. Now, we heard in part four of the book of Revelation about God the Father sitting on the throne, how he is as brilliant as a gemstone. And now we're about to hear about the actions of God the Father, the one who sits on the throne. We're about to hear about the actions that he takes after another resurrection, here are those actions. This is the dead judged prophecy. The documentary John the Revelator was shown before he was shown the New Earth documentary. So after the end of time, we go to the New Earth. Before the end of time, right before the end of time, there's the great white throne judgment where the Final enemies of God, who are they? The children of Satan and death and the grave. They are destroyed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus says, and uh, the Bible tells us, and the last enemy he destroys will be death. So in this prophecy, the one right the one about events right before the end of time, we find out that all those who took the mark of the beast, all of those who are sinners, murderers, idolaters, everyone who is team Satan, who failed to repent, who failed to allow the precious blood of Jesus Christ to pay for their sin debt, who failed to uh, go to mediation, all of those individuals, they stand before God, and God gives them a chance to plead their case. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, after the end of time, we're going to a new earth. Nothing evil will be permitted on the new earth. Nothing will be allowed to contaminate it. It will match and exceed the beauty of the Garden of Eden. On the new earth, there will be no more tears, no more mourning, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more grief, no more death. Nothing evil will be allowed to contaminate the new earth. It's so perfect that God the Father is going to relocate his home from present heaven to the new earth. Don't you know, God's not going to downgrade. He's going to upgrade. He's not going to downgrade his home to something inferior to what he already has. The new earth, the new earth is going to be amazing, so amazing, so fantastic that God is going to relocate his home from present heaven to the new earth. But before he does that, he has to rid the earth of any individuals or living beings that would contaminate it. Contaminate it with what? Contaminate it with their murderous ways, their idolatrous ways, their witchcraft, 
their sexual immorality. So these individuals are resurrected, those who have died, and any who existed on this earth at the end of the millennial reign who were not in Christ. Now, here it is, the dead judge prophecy. This is what happens right before the end of time. John the Revelator has written down what he saw. It says, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. Now, you know who that is. We heard about the one who sits on the throne in part four of the book of Revelation. Now we're hearing about what he's going to do right before the end of time. Again, it says, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Now, what's the sea? The sea is the nations. In the book of Revelation, the sea, S-E-A, refers to the nations. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So that is the end of time. You say, well, how do you know it's the end of time? Let's go to Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10. It says, "Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise." And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. That's talking about the great white throne judgment. That's talking about the great white throne judgment. And in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8, it says, All the earth will be devoured by the fire of my jealousy and we're also told that the earth is going to wear out like an old cloak in other words it's going to wear out like an old jacket like an old suit like an old coat Now let us go to the new earth prophecy. What happens after the end of the world? It's something good. It's something very good. So where are we in time? We're after the end of time. So what do I mean by that? At the end of the age, the Antichrist is destroyed What does that mean? He experiences the second death. He's thrown into the lake of fire. The false prophet is thrown in there with him. A thousand years later, 
Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. A short while thereafter, the children of Satan are thrown into the lake of fire. And finally, death and the grave are thrown into the lake of fire. What does that mean? All five of God's enemies are destroyed. Now it is time for the only thing left with the curse in it to be destroyed. Now, what's God's mechanism for destruction? Holy fire. When God comes with holy fire, only those things that are holy can make it through the fire. So when we transition to a new earth, the old earth goes through a holy fire. Now let's hear the new earth prophecy. What is John the Revelator shown about eternity future? So time ends. We're at the end of time at the great white throne judgment when death and the grave are thrown into the lake of fire. That's the end of the world. That's the end of the world, that along with the old earth being destroyed. The old earth being destroyed and replaced with the new earth. That's the end of the world, the end of time. But there's a new earth that's coming. Let's hear about it. Here's the new earth prophecy reading from Revelation chapter 21 as well as verses 1 to 5 of chapter 22. This is what John the Revelator was shown. This is the pinnacle documentary in the pinnacle book in the Holy Bible. He wrote down exactly what he saw. He didn't have a cell phone. If he had the technology of our time, he'd just whip out his cell phone or video camera, and he would have videotaped that thing, and we could play it on our computer today. He didn't have that technology, so he used the technology that he did have, a writing utensil and some parchment, and he wrote down everything he saw and heard. So here's what he wrote down uh, and what he heard. Uh, he wrote, here's what he saw and what he heard and how he wrote it down. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. 
This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. That is the New Earth documentary recorded by John the Revelator. Now that we're reading the words, hearing the words, we may refer to it as the New Earth prophecy, but he was shown this documentary the New Earth documentary, he was shown that documentary by an angel of the Lord when he was called up 
to heaven, he was shown what happens in eternity future, what happens after the end of the world. So in First Peter, we're told the end of the world is coming. The end of the world is coming. What's the end of the world? The end of the world is the end of time. It's what happens after all five of God's enemies are destroyed by Jesus Christ. Again, who are the five enemies of God? The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, and death. Those are the five enemies of God. When they are destroyed, this earth will have worn out like an old cloak, and it's replaced by a new earth. Only those things that can survive the holy fire can make it to the new earth. This earth is under the curse. You might say, but it's so beautiful, research scientists. Look at the trees. Look at the flowers. Look at the animals. Any tree that dies is under the curse. Any spring of water or seed that's polluted is under the curse. Under the curse. The fact that your wonderful pet dog, your wonderful pet horse experiences death is evidence that even the animals are under the curse. We're going to a new earth. And on this new earth, there will be the nations. Now, we're told elsewhere in the Bible that there's some nations that will not survive. After the second coming, those nations will not be permitted to continue. Some of those nations will be destroyed. A few nations will be destroyed forever and ever uh, at the time of the second coming. But the vast majority of nations will continue. We hear that in the conclusion of the book of Revelation and in the New Earth Prophecy. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. Now, you want to be truth seeker and friend on the New Earth. Again, there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more mourning. There will be animals on the new earth. We hear that elsewhere in the Bible. We know that Jesus Christ returns on a white horse, and the armies of heaven are also riding horses when they return. So clearly, there are animals in heaven And there will be animals on the new earth. These animals will never experience death. Nothing on the new earth will ever die. Now, we struggle with just having three or four generations on the same present earth, right? The Generation Z, they don't like the boomers, some of them, and then Gen X and the millennials, and, you know, we struggle to connect across the generations at times. Imagine at the time of the second coming when we all transition from mortality to immortality, we're going to have hundreds of generations all gathered together as members of one royal race. And on this new earth, everything that exists 
will honor the Lord God, will have nothing of the curse in it. Every evil thing will be separated forever and ever in the outer darkness, in the lake of fire. You want to be on the new earth. You want to have your passport. You want. You don't want to be denied entry. You know, if you live in one of these uh, places where you have to be on a list to get into an event, I remember when I was uh, young, I'd be excited about these things. You know, I'm, let's say 20, 21, I want to go to this or that place, and your name had to be on a list. And when you get to the front door, if your name's not on the list, they turn you away. Well, the list we all ought to be focused on is the Lamb's Book of Life. That's that's the most important list. That's the document that contains the name of every human being who will be permitted entry onto the new earth. If your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you cannot enter the new earth because that means that there is some sin debt that's unpaid. And if there's a sin debt, that means that within the individual, there are vestiges of the curse. And nothing evil, no part of the curse will be permitted to be on the new earth. Friend and truth seeker, I strongly believe that if if you are really interested in the truth, it doesn't matter what religion you were born into, what your native language was or is, what your uh, race, your sex, your gender, all these things. If you are truly a truth seeker, you will arrive at Jesus Christ. He is the truth and the life. There's no darkness in him. Now, you might think your enemy is, and I'll just say fill in the blank. You know, maybe you say your enemy is your your neighbor or your enemy is, uh, you know, some politician or some race of people or some, I've heard some people say women are my enemy or men, this or that, I don't know. Let's just say fill in the blank. The truth is your real enemy is death. My real enemy is death, and the only one, the only one, the only one who can defeat death and who will defeat death is Jesus Christ. Again, death is going into the lake of fire. Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, death in the grave, they're working in tandem. They're working in tandem. Don't you work in tandem with them. Don't be the, the, the fifth man or the fifth woman in that group. Don't be a child of Satan. Don't work in tandem with the plans and purposes of the Antichrist, the false prophet, death in the grave. So immediately, if a person takes the mark of the beast, you're working in tandem with Satan. Now, the truth is, We were born with errors in our DNA. Those errors are evidence of the curse. Immediately when Adam and Eve sinned, their DNA began to erode. 
And through the generations, as the sin increased and multiplied with each generation, the errors increased. And so now we arrive at problems that persist through the generations. There's only one answer to these problems, to DNA errors. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only answer. Now, some scientists will argue in the soon coming future that they have an answer for death, that they have the ability to extend life with the beast DNA. That's a lie from the pits of hell. There's only one way to get to immortality, and that's through participation in the first resurrection. Participation in the marriage of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the dead. The book of Revelation starts, its preface starts with telling us that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the dead. Now, if there's a firstborn of the dead, that means there's a second. Who's that? Those who are in Christ. Now, this earth is going to be judged. Every human being is going to be judged. If you've been to mediation, all your sin debt has been blotted out. When your book is opened and you stand before God, you have no sin debt if if you've been to mediation. In other words, if you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you're in good standing with God the Father. Your case is settled. And so... All that you look forward to are rewards, rewards, rewards. But those who have cases that have not been settled, what they will look forward to is the lake of fire. That's what's coming in their future. There's no option C. You can't say, uh, yeah, I'm not into this. I want to opt out. You cannot, I cannot uncreate myself. You can't uncreate yourself. You can't opt out of existence. God created everything that he wanted to because it pleased him. It's not within our discretion to uncreate ourselves. Therefore, there's only one thing to think about. Do we cooperate with God or do we cooperate with Satan? Because at the end of the world, every human being will dwell with his or her father. The children of God will dwell with God the Father on the new earth. The children of Satan will dwell with Satan, their father, in the lake of fire. But in contrast to God the Father who will take pleasure in his children on the new earth, the children of Satan will join him in the lake of fire where he is tormented forever and ever. Satan's not ruling and reigning in the lake of fire in the future. I know they try to say this in these videos on YouTube and in the films and in the movies, but Satan's not running anything in Gehenna. He's not running anything in Gehenna. Let's go to the millennial reign prophecy. What's going to happen at the end of the world? What's happening with Satan when he goes there before the end of the world? 
Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, it says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Who's being tormented? Satan's being tormented. Don't think if you join Wicca or you join Eastern Star or the Freemasons or any of these organizations for which they make Satan their leader, don't think that it's some kind of order where there's genuine authority in the ability to act in an autonomous fashion. That's an absolute lie. Satan will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And if you choose to ally with Satan, if you choose to follow his plans and purposes, if you choose to reject God, if you choose to be a child of Satan and make no mistake, make no mistake, by default, we have all been recruited to team Satan. We have to choose to allow ourselves to be recruited to the winning team, that's team Jesus. So if you have not rejected Satan and allowed yourself to be recruited to team Jesus, you're still on team Satan. And if you're on team Satan, you're going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. Where? In the lake of fire. When? After the end of time. Ever and ever, that's called eternity future. So forever and ever is eternity future. Now you might say, well, how do I make sense of that? Well, we normally talk about weeks or months or years or decades or maybe even millennia, but eternity future extends for millions, billions, and trillions of years. It's very difficult to wrap one's brain around that quantity of time. In fact, it's beyond time. It's eternity future. There's no time at that point. The harvest has happened. God has reaped the harvest. The experiment known as the world will have ended. God will have his forever family. There's no more need for time. The old earth, that experiment's done. We're on the new earth. Now listen, friend and truth seeker, God's holy fire is coming. God's holy fire is coming at the end of the world. This world is not going to make it. It's under the curse. It's going to wear out like an old suit. We're going to the new earth, and that's a good thing. Now, every person who participates in the first resurrection will dwell immediately at the time of the first resurrection in a perfected peak performance earth suit, an earth suit version two of one's body that has no DNA errors. Isn't that amazing and exciting? And the truth, you won't have any bad knees. Your eyesight will be perfect. Your hair will be glorious. No back pain, no mental torment or distress. All your fingers and toes, your teeth, your hearing, anything kind of issue that you've suffered from in this lifetime, that will be a thing of the past. This is version one of your body. Do work out. Do take vitamins and minerals and eat a healthy diet. Do everything you can to take care of your earth suit so you can be uh, as well as you can in version one of your body so you can live as long as possible for the glory of God to complete your assignment. But know that there's coming a day and an hour when you are going to transition 
from mortality to immortality if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ. Now, when we transition from mortality to immortality, there are some key activities that we're going to participate in. We'll return with God for the battle of Armageddon. He comes back not only with the armies of heaven, but all his holy ones. The marriage supper of the Lamb is God's cleanup plan for the, for the battle of Armageddon. The marriage of the Lamb is the first resurrection. When Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, gets his forever family Second born, if you will, of the dead. So we're with him. We rise to meet him in the clouds, and there will be with him. Uh, thereafter, we'll be with him forever and ever. How? In our peak performance, glorified, perfected bodies. You want to participate in the first resurrection. You want to get that body that Steve Jobs wishes that he could have paid for, that body that I wish I could pay for. We all want to have perfect health. That's why we'll spend thousands of dollars running across a town or a city, maybe even the world, trying to see the best doctors. What about Dr. Jesus? What about the doctor that promises to give you a forever body, a body that has no DNA errors? Sometimes I hear people say, you know, life isn't fair. True. That's why you need Jesus, because it's only through a just God that you can get your just rewards. It's only a just God who can give you back everything that Satan has stolen from you. If you're looking for justice in this lifetime, don't hold your breath. But I have good news. Jesus Christ, he holds the keys to death in the grave, and he's going to destroy death forever and ever. And every person who believes in, relies on, and trusts in him is guaranteed eternal life in a peak performance tangible body on a tangible new earth. And each of these individuals will rule and reign with Jesus Christ for the first thousand years of his government on this present earth and on the new earth to come forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the new earth to come. I'm hoping that you will be there with me. Where's there? In the first resurrection. Friend and truth seeker, make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the most important thing you can do. Make sure that you have your passport ready. Make sure you have the evidence, the document needed to gain admission to the new earth. What's that? You, your name has to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the evidence that you've been to mediation. That's the evidence that you have uh, made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that 
payment of your sin debt has been made with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for being with me and with us today. We're going to continue discussion and analysis of the New Earth Prophecy next Sunday, December 17th at 12 noon Texas time, 1 p.m. Eastern time, and it's Thursday at 10 a.m. Texas time, 11 a.m. Eastern time. I want to pray Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, as we close out today. The Word of God promises that those who listen to the words of prophecy of the book of Revelation are blessed. And so I declare decree according to the Word of God. You've heard the words of prophecy in the book of Revelation today. I pray that you will obey them so that you will receive the special blessing that the Lord promises for those who hear the words of prophecy and obey the words of prophecy in the book of Revelation. And if you haven't done so yet, According to Jeremiah 33.3, I encourage you today to call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. God bless you, and until next time, friends.